Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your host, Big Waz, aka Wazley Lambray, joined as always by my brother, my partner. The wonderful, the fantastic, the dashing Nando Vila out there on the west side of L.A., man. What's up with you, Nando? Feeling good. Got a haircut. Feeling fresh before lockdown again. Looking like a million bucks. It's beautiful. Um, Before we get to what we're going to get into on today's show, I need you guys to all do me a favor right this second. Please. Right now. Go to YouTube.com backslash Count the Dings. Subscribe. Like these videos. Um, and turn on the notification button. That's huge for gaming the algorithm. Please turn on your notification. Every time we come on, you get to see me and my mug, and you get to see the lovely sex appeal, sex symbol, Nando Vila. And so, and as well as our other shows, of course, on the Bomb Network. So please go to youtube.com backslash count the dings, like, subscribe, become part of the notification gang. Please do that for me. We want to try to get this thing going on YouTube. We've been steadily growing, but we want to grow even faster. Um, so everybody who supports us, please go do that right now. Now, on today's show, Barack Obama just dropped a new book. Mm. Um, the excerpts, I'm not going to lie, are driving lefties, like actual leftists, <laughs> up a freaking wall. Um, people are just People just Guilty. really have... <laughs> people have run out of patience with barack obama i'm not gonna lie and i've said it over and over again as the days go on day by day week by week month by month i start to think of barry in a way less favorable light. like every single freaking day this book clearly not helping in that direction we're gonna talk about that <laughs> book very briefly um also 
We talked to you last week about the cabinet positions. The first few names are starting to sprinkle out and drizzle out. And they're just as annoying, obnoxious, and cynical as we predicted they would be. So we're going to get into that. The Dems are in disarray, of course, as always. But first, me and Nando's... Well, actually, she doesn't represent our district (laughs) because she's up north, but she is the House Speaker. Um, She has been renominated as such. She's been elected again as the House Speaker of the Democratic Party. Nancy Pelosi wins again. I don't know. I mean, this is not really news. Nobody was really going to be up to challenge her. Um, I, I, I don't think... Like, there was a... Last time this came up, Nando, remember, there was a fake sort of organized opposition to her that got squashed pretty quickly and justifiably, honestly. It was it was a bunch of like it came from the right. Right. It was a bunch of blue dog Dems that tried to challenge her and they got destroyed. Uh, And, you know, so she passed through this time again. I think it's important that we talk about it because. I feel like Pelosi definitely, back in 06, 08, she had a fairly good approval rating amongst pretty much everybody in the party. Obviously, the left would never be enamored of a Pelosi, but there was this general idea, well, she goes out and she she gets shit passed. Cool. Right? Um, That was the general, that's always been the, the selling point of a Nancy Pelosi. Like, she is an effective legislator, okay? She governs. She knows how to govern, okay? You lefties just come up with these cockamamie ideas. Nancy knows how to (laughs) govern, all right? And so that was sort of the Nancy appeal. And I think what's funny, Nando, is as the years have gone by, yeah. She's become she's gotten an outsized reputation on the right for being this like yeah. I don't even know. They made her into like this Medusa, this yeah. liberal progressive Medusa who will eat your children and you know has has a um vagina made of nails or something, right? <laughs> and um she's become this crazy scary monster over there. But, but the funny thing about that and and you can speak to this, Nando, is that the left has become just as disgusted and disenfranchised by her on that same time. Like, the hate for Nancy Pelosi on on the right wing and amongst the left has tracked pretty similarly um, over the last 14 years or so, which I think is kind of funny because that crowd of people, um, what they call moderate, centrist pragmatic they love calling themselves pragmatic um pragmatic dems they wear that as a badge of honor we're not crazy like those fire breathing lefties and republicans hate us too so we must be doing it perfectly right and so i just think it's hilarious that um nancy is where she is now and and it seems like she's kind of intractable at this point yeah yeah, I mean, so the thing with Nancy Pelosi, it's kind of the same thing with Hillary Clinton in that the right absolutely has, you know, insane sexist attacks against Hillary um, that are completely off base and, and you know, just kind of 
ridiculous. But um, the left has, in my opinion, valid critiques of someone like Hillary Clinton. And what yes, the liberals see is that these two things are the Obama. same thing. Yes. You know, yes. Um, and they're not the same thing. They're very much not the same thing. You know, like Nancy Pelosi is not some like fire breathing radical that the right wing points her out to be. I mean, she's basically like a center right person. You know, she she has some very deep ideological commitments. She has very deep material class interests. I mean, she's one of the richest members of Congress. Full stop. Um you know she's not uh, she's not struggling in any in any way shape or form and she so, hasn't ever <laughs> no yeah yeah nancy pelosi's uh nancy pelosi's political career is an interesting one i mean she she became a power broker within the democratic party very quickly because she was an incredible fundraiser because she had this like amazing mansion in san francisco and was like used it basically as a power center um to raise just giant amounts of money from wealthy san franciscans and northern californians and um really became just like a a a machine at, at fundraising within the democratic party she also also is pretty tough like she's no one's idea of like a lightweight she's she's kind of like a gangster and like in a political yep. sense like she will you know like if she you kind of cross her she will destroy you and would have no no qualms about it like that's part of what being an effective politician is but you're right that you know she she this her high point came around 2008 2009 when Barack Obama was elected and she helped pass Obamacare in the House, right? She whipped the House the House uh, caucus to pass Obamacare, which was not a foregone conclusion. Um, and that was the high point of her kind of political career um, and her approval rating. But since then, like, what can she point to? And, Other and than just like endless defeat. And it's important to say this, Nando, um, that we point this out. At the time, in 09... There was an idea, there was a sense that Obamacare, as sort of half measure as it was, there was this overwhelming sense of optimism and momentum behind Barry and the Democratic Party's coalition, that this was just a first step that would turn into something bigger. And that's why she got so much love and gratitude for getting this over the finish line because there was an idea that this is just the first step, man. Like, we're going to get things rolling, bro. Like, Nancy, let's go. She's she's marching us down the damn field with this first thing, even though we know the ACA, everybody understood this isn't enough. This is not what we promised people. We didn't promise them reliable, affordable health care. We gave them a basically slightly better alternative than the existing status quo but again she built up this rep on the back of that momentum and the perception of what that bill meant and i think that a lot of the disillusionment with her and with barack obama generally is that is that there's this sense that they wasted an opportunity that there was this historic moment which comes around in american politics once every 30 years in which the democrats and the liberals are in power everywhere on every every branch of government supermajority in the senate huge majority in the house they control the presidency and the supreme court um and that means that they could pass 
You know, they could do what Lyndon Johnson did and pass the Great Society, pass civil rights, you know, Medicare, the Voting Rights Act, all these things that were like a brief moment in time in which there was this this flurry of activity and then, you know, decades of nothing. And then there was this like feeling that this was going to be the new one. Um, and they passed Obamacare and nothing else, literally nothing else. I mean, there was like the banking regulations, which have been totally gutted and nothing really lasting um, that they passed. And that's just a huge domestically, waste of and, and, and let's just say, because, you know, the liberal will get up here and be like, you guys are poo-pooing the Paris Climate Accords? How yes, I am poo-pooing it. It was, a non-binding, it was a non-binding thing that, yes, I'm poo-pooing anything that's non-binding and permanent, you know? Like, again, the, the, the reforms that endure in American life are binding and permanent, you know, whether it's Social Security, Medicare, um, or the Civil Rights Act. You know, yeah. like, those, those things will not go away because they were universal in their nature, Social Security and Medicare, and uh, and 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 sort of in, became such a fabric of the electorate that it'll, they'll never go away, despite repeated attempts to to destroy them. Right, and so they'll uh, be the like, Paris we Climate the- Agreement was a non-binding kind of like <laughs> guidelines bullshit that as soon as fucking Trump got in there, he could just like w- wave away. Same with the Iran deal; he could just rip it up. Who gives a shit? You know, like these things aren't lasting. You know, and it, part of the reason why they're not lasting is because they lost. And one of the reasons why they lost is because they didn't do anything. Like right. if you don't deliver the goods for voters, there is just no reason for them to vote for you. So there was a there was an article uh, Jamel. Bowie had a good um, had a good op-ed in the New York Times, kind of explaining why Trump and the Republicans did uh, better than expected this time around. And he says, like, listen, there's many factors. Obviously, we can talk about a million things, but the one that's being overlooked is that Trump put money in people's pockets, kind of when they were struggling in the middle of twenty of twenty twenty. They don't want to hear that. You know. They don't want to hear it. That's, but it's that's fact. a huge reason why people are like, yeah. I mean, th- that was a half a trillion dollar uh, aid package that went out twelve hundred dollar checks plus six hundred dollars on employment insurance plus a five hundred dollar child allowance for struggling families. That's a lot of money. It reduced poverty. You know, um, people were able to pay off like bills that had been mounting up for years. Even like they they got to pay down some debt. Like. It was a huge relief to a lot of people. Obviously, we can talk about how grotesque the giveaway right. was to corporations right. that, that came like in, in, in a result. And it is true that the Republicans wanted to make it smaller and the Democrats and right. like Bernie Sanders pushed for a bigger package and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, Trump signed the check, yep. you know, and put money in people's pockets. And so and that's why that's one of the reasons why he did better than expected. It's why he did. That's why the Republicans did better than in the midterms than in 2018. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, politics is pretty simple. When you're in power, you have to do something that benefits people's lives materially and that they can understand. And you have to run on that over and over and over again. You cannot run on decency. You should not run on moralism. (laughs) You should run on, I helped your shitty life to be less shitty. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> and, and then you'll win. you win forever. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. And again, Nancy Pelosi tends to be a whipping girl. Is that the term yeah. that I should use? A whipping girl on this show? Because, in, and honestly, it's rightfully so, man. Like, she's just, she so fully encapsulates that wing of the party, bro. Like, she's personally rich. Um, she's personally rich and she goes out, out of, of touch. She's out of touch and she goes out of her way to protect the interests of our richest Americans 
at every freaking turn. Yeah. And then what she'll do and what the Dems will do, and we're going to get into this in our next segment, is lean. And I say this over and over because the absurdity of taking a knee in the halls of Congress with fucking Kinta cloth on. Like, it, like, we'll never it, get over that. That's going to be can't. like a woke bros, like Hall of Fame, instant ballot Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Fame. Bruh, moment. I, can't, I will never get that image out of my head of Chuck <laughs> Schumer. Because he's so freaking old, he has the glasses at the tip of his nose, and he's reading something, and he has his kente cloth on, and I'm just like, yo, this is so half-assed and ridiculous, and just like, who's buying this? Who's falling for this? Oh, God. Um, And again, and I want to speak to something that I try to say all the time, all the time on the show, and and I know it's going to sound broken record again, but when you do talk to Republican voters, and I actually have a few of them in my life now via um, my relationship with my significant other. She's related to a lot of right-wingers. Um, and these are decent people. But when you do talk to them, they don't talk about abortion or even taxes or gun laws. The shit that they talk about is liberals. They talk about, like, Nancy Pelosi will come up all the freaking time. And it's about what she's wearing, how rich she actually is, all the lip service she's paying to giving a fuck about poor black and brown people. And the the number one criticism that they have, and you cannot refute it, these type of Democrats are phony, bullshit, full of shit. They don't give a fuck about it. They don't believe what they say. They don't give a fuck about black people. They don't live around black people. They never would. In fact, they fucking sooner (laughs) light themselves on fire than be around poor fucking people of color. It was like seconds after the election was over, how quickly they were like, it was Black Lives Matter's fault. Facts. <laughs> yeah. Facts. It was like, you know, Facts. record time. Facts. You know, they don't give a fuck. Like, um, they don't actually care about any of this shit. And Pelosi is the number one symbol of it. Like, we, t- like, I, I don't should have said we. I think people who vote for the Dems don't understand, like, because there's this sort of, Liberal people tend to think they're so fucking smart. They don't understand. Like they they underestimate people on the other side in the sense that like they can't squit. Like like they can't um actually sort of do the math on Pelosi and Cl- and the Clintons. Like it's not yeah. hard to do the math on them. Like their friends are the richest, most powerful people <laughs> in the world, yet they claim to yeah. give a fuck about black and brown people? They, they don't give a fuck. And we know that's bullshit, so why should we believe anything? Like, that's what liberals never want to... They never want to take it to the next step. It's, one, that's true, and then so then they say, why should we believe anything that comes out of your mouths? Like, right. like that's what liberals never want to accept. Like, they have a point. Obviously, I'll never be a right winger, but they're right about that. Yeah. They're right about the Clintons. They're right about Pelosi. They're right about Chuck Schumer. Like, they're right about those dudes. They're phonies. They're full of shit. So then yeah. why should I then, the people who do give me some of the stuff that I do like, maybe they're full of shit, but they deliver on being sickos about immigrants. 
They deliver yeah. on sexism. They Which, del- by the way, the Democrats are also sickos about it. Right. They just say it in more polite exactly. terms. Like, the exactly. Obama deported more people than any president. And, and that's a yeah. beautiful talking point, right? It's like, what? They're going crazy about Trump. Yeah. Obama was doing the same thing. See, hypocrites. Yeah. Guys, and it's like, what, do you, what, what is a liberal going to say? It's like, it wasn't as bad. Right. It's like, well, I mean, if you look at the numbers, it was right. worse. And, and, and this is the know? thing. This is why we can't win. Like, and, and that's what liberals need to get through their thick skulls. It's like, bro, like, people aren't stupid right wingers aren't stupid you can say whatever you want but you can say whatever you want about the moralization of it and this this that and the third i'm just like yo they're not stupid and another thing that i want that i want people liberals to understand too um before we move on to aoc and Rahm Emanuel and that debacle is that i have a confession to make y'all i don't wake up every single day thinking about the dreamers not that I don't want to see nice things happen to the dreamers, but that's yeah. like if you mention the dreamers to my mother, who has no problem with Mexicans or um, South Americans and right. Central Americans. She's like, it doesn't affect my she life. She doesn't any way. care. Same thing goes for brown people when it comes to Black Lives Matter. They don't care. So yeah. when you try to make those issues some type of moral litmus for voters, like, oh, if you don't care about this, you're a terrible person. That shit don't compute, y'all. It doesn't compute. It's not a winning message. Like, the reason why we can't win on those things is because the coalition is broad. Like, you cannot make black... Not to say Black Lives Matter doesn't matter. I'm not saying that. But as a winning message for a party that is a broad coalition, you cannot prioritize Black Lives Matter or the Dreamers. You can't say, yo, all y'all gonna get free health care. Yeah. Like, it's so Yeah, you gotta obvious. make it... You gotta make it... Uh, you gotta lead with ma- people's material self-interest. 100%. You know, this is... What's in it for me? You know, like... And it's... You, you can... You can, you can like, get angry about that all you want. Yeah. That people are selfish oh, or whatever. Yeah, that's and, cool. Or you could just, like, realize that the sky is blue and that you... It's a more, as much as you want it to be a different color, every single day I'm gonna wake up and the sky is blue. My thing you is... Know? My thing um, with this, with liberals, and I'll leave it on this because we're, we're belaboring the point, I feel like, a little bit here. But, like... You either want to be pious and moralistic and pie in the sky and pure, or you want to win. You got to pick yeah. this. They, they, there ain't no two. I promise you that. And it's and it's proven. It's borne out twice. Like this whole morality play that y'all went with 2016 and Joe Biden squeaks no, out this victory. It, doesn't, it doesn't win. It doesn't win. It does not freaking win. Obama didn't come out here and say, be a good person. Vote for the black guy. That's not what he did. That's not what he did in Matt- Matt Chrisman from Chapel Tribe House d- d- uh, put the divide in American politics perfectly in that both parties are not are, are saying that decline is happening. We can do we're not going to do anything about it. Right. Your life is going to get shittier. Neither of us are going to do anything about it. The Democrats say to people, just don't be an asshole about it. Whereas the Republicans just say, don't be a pussy about it. <laughs> you know, like and there's just going to be a certain amount of people who are like, if you don't like unless unless there's an alternative, you know, that we're going to we're going to reverse this trajectory downward and go upward and actually improve people's lives. People are going to respond to the, you know, stop being a fucking pussy about it. You know, like we're going to the Democrats are going to put kids in cages and the Republicans are going to put, put kids in cages. Are you going to be an asshole about it or are you going to be a fucking pussy about it? Right. You know, like, and are you going to let that's, those that's the divide? Are you going to let those limperous, liberal, hypocrite assholes um, tell you that you're a bad person because they live their lives exactly like you do and hate minorities? I mean, whatever. We'll move on <laughs> to the next topic. And of course, the New York Times two days ago on the 16th. 
put out basically a story about the fight within the party is happening a lot faster than people might have anticipated. Uh, people thought the whole, oh, we beat Trump sort of party would last a little bit longer than this. I think on this show, we knew that it would not. <laughs> I think on this show, we told you guys to keep your yeah. eye on the ball with these cabinet positions. And I want to talk, first I want to talk about um, this, this, this homie that Nando actually brought to my attention. Uh, and his name is, hold on, let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. His, his name is Cedric Wils, uh, Richmond, excuse Richmond. me, Cedric Richmond. Um, they're saying, uh, basically, the left wing of the party is saying this guy getting appointed in, in into a meaningful cabinet position would be a betrayal because he's in the pocket of of energy and that like what are we even doing if we're really kowtowing to energy not that we have to antagonize energy every single day but like the idea that we're gonna make them we're gonna give them a seat at the table makes absolutely no fucking sense whatsoever right um and then of course the response nando is cedric 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 richmond is the most influential black staffer in the white house yeah, what? or in the incoming White incoming, House. Yeah. Like, what, what? Yeah. What? 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 What is that? Yeah. What? What? It's the cynical use. It's cynical. You know. And, and and this is what I mean when we talk about woke. We talked about woke imperialism last episode with people like Valerie Jarrett yeah. and the rest of them. This is what we're talking about. And just to get it out the way, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the the problem with this cynicism is so thinly stupid and veiled. It's like, so you're telling me there are no black people that don't have these ties? You just can't find any other black people. Is that is that what you're telling yeah. me? You couldn't find yeah. another black person that's not in the pocket of oil? Like, that it just is so ridiculous on his face that they always use the fake woke shield. Like, look, man, we're yeah. putting a black person in there. Yeah. Just because you found the guy who's willing to, like, destroy the planet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Cedric, so Cedric Richmond, for context, is a congressman from Louisiana. Um, and, you know, there's hundreds of Democratic congressmen in, in, in the House. And uh, he's in the top five <laughs> in terms of Democratic congressmen who have received money from oil and gas interests. Um, top five out of hundreds, you know, and he obviously like his district is the home of a lot of oil and gas companies. It also happens to be, um, have seven of the 10 most polluted tracks in all of America. <laughs> so he's representing a, a district that is like at the forefront of climate change. I mean, it's, it's dominated by these oil and gas interests and it's literally killing the people in his district, um, because it's like, it's, it's so polluted. Um, and yeah, Biden named him to be the white house liaison on between business interests and climate change activists. And the reason why this is, feels like such a betrayal is because this, people like the Sunrise Movement, Varshini Prakash, who's the head of the Sunrise Movement, who's an unbelievably impressive, uh, incredibly impressive uh, organization. They're the people who got the Green New Deal on the map. They're the people who occupied Pelosi's office, if you remember that whole episode. I mean, they're just like a very well-organized and very militant organization that has done a lot of good. Like, for example, they were the ones who basically delivered the Senate to Ed Markey, um, that Senate seat. They were huge in organizing for Markey against against Joe Kennedy. And again, run by a brown woman. She's she's of Indian descent, uh, Varshini Prakash. And um, yeah, I mean, just and, and, you know, the, the whole point of the Biden 
campaign, the sort of one big policy thing that they promised was like, you know, we're not going to give you Medicare for all. We're not going to do anything meaningful on, uh, you know, police brutality. We're not going to do anything meaningful on foreign policy. We're going to give you a uh, Sort of like the Green New Deal. We're not going to call it the Green New Deal, but we're going to do a $1.7 trillion uh, investment into clean energy and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we're going to take climate change seriously. And then the first person they hire is the congressman who is in the pocket of oil and gas. Yeah. Like, that's just like. But he's black, so Nando. But he's black. But he's black. <laughs> he's black. He's black. And, uh, you know, the, uh, again, that's the, the cynical use of identity politics to, you know, the joke. It's like the, the future is going to be like a drone panel in which there's like a gay person, a black person. And they're just going to be talking about like how to drone uh, people in the Middle East more effectively and more wokely. Right. You know. Um, and I want to talk about something. I want to talk about something because which a lot of times what you're going to see is so hilarious. A lot of times what you're going to see is when they bring up somebody like this Richmond character, they're going to talk about how qualified he is, how credentialed he is, which I find to be very interesting as a black person because I remember, I'm old enough to remember when stuff like experience, qualifications, education level used to be something that right-wingers would say to keep people of color out when they were graduating and getting MBAs and doing whatever at way less rates and percentages than they do now. And what you saw the right wing do to pivot was just basically be like, um, <laughs> would basically be like, man, they indoctrinate motherfuckers in education anyway. We don't want that shit anymore. So like they switched it up. Like right wingers just straight up don't care about education, qualifications and all of that. In fact, that's bad now. So they switched that up, right? Which whatever, that's smart on their part. That helps their agenda. Cool. The more black and educated people and brown people that you get, more eggheads that you get, right wingers can't use it as an excuse. They change the convo. Cool. Now what you see liberals do is say, if you're not in the club then fuck you which is yeah. just as exclusionary just as fucking yeah. racist like it's hilarious to me it's like this idea that there are these special negroes that definitely yeah. get to have a seat at the table because they play ball all you other negroes and latins and and whoever else asians no, you're not in the club. You're not part of these elite institutions. So you don't get a seat at the table and it's just as fucking exclusionary and it's just as fucking bourgeoisie. I don't understand how they think they could get away with this shit. Like the idea that you just could not, like you just, it would just be, a, it's so racist. It's like, I couldn't possibly find a black or brown person who was qualified who wasn't in the pocket of big oil. It's so yeah. fucking insulting, dude. Yeah, no, it's infuriating. And again, it's just this is going to be the next the next two years, you know, until the midterms is going to be just like um, uh, an endless fight between the left, who's going to be like, uh, we need certain things to happen. Like we need to address climate change seriously. Like you guys say you're the party of science and that you believe in climate change and that like the right wingers are these kind of insane people who don't believe in science and don't believe in climate change. It's like, well, what are you going to do? You know, you cannot solve the climate crisis by like working with oil and gas like you can only solve it by confronting oil and gas like come on and and the, you know, and the like, only is thing is the only thing i will say and for people who because i feel like we're all doom and gloom here today but what i will say about even something like the oil and gas companies like the the capital interests are divesting from all of those companies the writing's on the wall like they're done 
They're actually already done. But I guess, you know, there's just not enough foresight or nobody feels like they have the power of persuasion to explain to people like, well, why don't we do something else? Like, why don't we do what Trump did for the farmers? He starts the trade war with China and the farmers get fucked. And so what does he do? He says, shit, I'm going to just write a y'all check for 31 billion. Yeah. Problem solved. Problem fucking solved right then and there. Nobody cares. Nobody's talking about, I don't want this dirty government money, blah, 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 blah. Problem was solved, bro. Writing checks is a great policy. (laughs) It's just a great fucking policy. And it's underrated. Just write out checks and put your goddamn name on the check and put your face on the check. If you want to win. It works every single time. I don't know. Why can't we do this for people who work in the energy industry? Why not? Why can't we do what what Trump just did for the farmers? Why not? Anyway, we move on. Of course, uh, because the Dems are the Dems, uh, Joe Biden and his crew are floating the idea of giving one Rahm Emanuel a cabinet position, perhaps at HUD or some other freaking um, agency or whatever. Um, And naturally... People like AOC, which God bless AOC. She's not going anonymous here. She's going on the record and saying that would be a direct betrayal. This is the dude who freaking covered up the McDonald murder in freaking Chicago. This is the dude who punched teachers unions in the freaking gut out in Chicago. Like, I'm just, I just, because Nando, like, you actually have a better facility of these things for me. Because a lot of times I come into it thinking, like, like, what has Rahm Emanuel done for these people? Like, what, why does Joe Biden and his crew feel like they owe Rahm, like, what has he done to deserve any of this? I don't get it. I don't get it. Basically been one of the worst Democrats in the last 30 years. I mean, (laughs) literally one of, like, there's like, I mean, Bill Clinton to me is the worst Democrat of the last maybe forever uh i mean well the not not counting like the southern racists and sure in, not like the non dixie like what we, what we think divisions. of as democrats yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah what we think of as democrats like bill clinton is the worst and the second worst might be rob emmanuel um and it, you know this it's hard to overstate like he's been in the forefront of like every awful thing that the democrats have done in the last 30 years he 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 basically invented the policy of border militarization um and mass deportation when he was an advisor to bill clinton um you you know, when he was mayor of Chicago, he covered up the Laquan McDonald uh, shooting by, by the police uh, to, to in order to win re-election. Um, crazy story. Um, you know, like you said, punch teachers unions in the face when there was the big the Chicago teacher strike, which one of the which was the, the the first big teacher strike of this last kind of wave of teacher strikes that we've been seeing in the last several years. The first one was the Chicago teacher strike when Rahm Emanuel was mayor, and he just absolutely kneecapped them. Um, again, just an absolute enemy to any regular person, working person, black person, <laughs> union member. Just, just a total just enemy. Stinks. He was seen. He was seen as the, um, the one of the reasons why he has such a good reputation is that he. He, he's created like this persona of himself as like the tough talking, you know, uh, I'll, I'll say cuss words and I'll fucking yell at your face kind of guy, politician guy. Um, and he was seen as the architect of the 2006 Democratic takeover of the House and Senate, which, uh, you know, it, it was like seen as a big deal at the time. You know, the Democrats had come off the 
very humiliating loss uh, uh, to Bush in re-election in 2004. Um, <laughs> and then Katrina happened and the Iraq war turned sour and people just like really turned on Bush. And there was a wave election that brought in a bunch of new Democrats. And Rahm Emanuel was kind of like the strategist that was the leader of that. And his strategy was basically to find a bunch of like ex-military guys and soft small business owners to run as like really conservative House Democrats, which, by the way, then they all got waxed in 2010, four years later, because no one fucking likes those people. They don't do anything. They don't offer you anything. <laughs> you know? So uh, that's like his reputation of the party is the architect of this 2006 thing, which was an absolute wave election. Like anyone would have – like any bot, warm bodies would have won. There was just – it was a purely anti-Bush election. I mean – we got and a Ryan black Grimm guy has elected argued, on the back of that. <laughs> yeah, that's like, true. Come on. Yeah, exactly. That's how that's how unpopular Bush was. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the, it, Ryan Grimm argues persuasively in his book "We've Got People," which is an interesting book that which traces like the long history of progressive versus liberal fights in the Democratic coalition, starting with Jesse Jackson campaign mm-hmm. in 1984. It's an interesting book, um, but he talks about how he looks at the numbers in the Rahm Emanuel kind of wave election in 2006, and it, she shows persuasive that he probably underperformed that the democrats (laughs) should have won even bigger margins um had they run like a decent campaign um so yeah that's rob emanuel he's an absolute ghoul he's one of the worst people on the planet he's just like totally pure evil and uh, of course the biden team loves him and wants to like include him in the cabinet this is the guy who's been saying throughout the campaign that like shut up you you activists like uh, you know, like shut up! You, you got to be pragmatic, and all and that's just, my shit, just And here's my shit about that, right? What Rahm Emanuel will never say is what that he'll never articulate what it means. What does it mean to be going after suburban voters, moderate voters? With what? What? Okay, so tell tell me what? Okay, so Green New Deal and 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 Medicare for All and the fight for fifteen is 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 detrimental. Okay, 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 cool. But with what though? What is it? Decency and uh, yeah, decency and like, yeah, bullshit. I mean, it's it's yeah, again, he's he's one of the architects of the Democratic turn to the suburbs, which delivered Joe Biden the election. Let's like be real. Like working class people did not uh, increase like the, the percentage of working class votes for the Democrats did not increase. Uh, vis-a-vis 2016. The Democrats have been flat with working class people. Um, they stemmed the bleeding a little bit, which was okay, but, they, but they're flat. They got a massive increase from rich suburban white people. That's who gave them the election. It was not like poor, uh, poor black and brown people. That's just not that's just not they don't cater to those people they don't campaign for those people they campaign for rich suburban whites and yeah that'll give you the presidential election here and there uh, it's not going to win you an enduring and majority here in the and Senate. there is important because bro those people are so fickle those yeah. people are so freaking oh, right wing, bro. As soon as like you know, they're gonna turn Republican any second now, you know they're gonna go back. <laughs> they don't give a fuck, you know. Like as soon as like the Dems do anything like anything meaningful to help like an icky working class person, uh, yeah. Ooh, I don't want that. Ooh, that's gross. I want to go back to the Republicans. Yeah. Um, and and there it is. And you know what I will say. And what what I'm trying to what we're trying to explain to you here, right, is. That the Dems are trying to get us to think that somebody like Rahm Emanuel or Nancy Pelosi or whoever is a much better alternative to Lyndon B. Johnson because Lyndon B. Johnson referred casually referred to black people as niggers. 
It doesn't yeah. matter that he he passed the Great Society. It doesn't matter that he actually passed. He used his political might to pass civil rights, the Voting Rights Act, to actually enact change in the lives of people. That doesn't matter. You would much prefer people who talk nice on camera to people who get shit done for people. That's the trick they're trying to play on us. That's the trick that they want us to understand. Like, getting stuff done is stupid. Ew, why? Um, And so here we have it, which brings us to unequivocally the most democratic politician of, I mean, I don't even know. Like, I, 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 Kennedy? <laughs> I mean, like, it's, mm-hmm. it's Barack yeah. and everybody else. People don't even fuck with Bill Clinton no more. You know what I'm saying? Like, nah. it, with the, amongst people alive right now who consider themselves to be democrats nobody is more popular than barack obama nobody it's 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 him and everybody else way in the back and um he dropped the book um uh i I don't even know what it's called it doesn't even matter that shit's gonna sell like you know yeah it's called uh what was it called it's gonna move more Uh, units uh, than in sync like is 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 gonna move move units but we just wanted to talk about some highlights a promised land a promised land a promised land and yo guess what um i was actually that normie person who read the bridge and loved it (laughs) i enjoyed it i I was like wow this guy's got a pretty cool story did you read dreams of my dreams i did not read dreams with my father i did not i was like the i I read the bridge and i was like i'm all set here um yeah and uh, and yeah, just a couple of interesting excerpts because I've seen lefty Twitter just, man, they are so pissed. Um, first, he said that, you know, to the extent that he was into Marx or Engel or any of that stuff was just to get girls in college, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. What kind of girls are like, to, I don't, uh, you know, for the females in the audience, uh, I don't know, maybe we got to pose this to the count, to the rest of the Count of Dings shows, but like... Uh, what kind of girls are like, ooh, wow, he's quoting Karl Marx to me. You know, like, <laughs> you can own mine means of production, baby. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe these yeah. days if you go to a uh, DSA meeting, you might be yeah. able to get some nookie off of that. That's just hilarious. Yeah. He, uh, he casually referred to President Lula of Brazil, famous political prisoner, yeah. freedom fighter. Yeah. Um, person who liberated millions upon millions of poor people, liberated them out of poverty in Brazil. Like, literally. Like, this is not hyperbole we're talking about. This man literally lifted millions of poor people out of poverty in Brazil. Uh, Barack Obama didn't like his best. Most of them black, by the way. Most of them black Brazilians, of course. Um, Barack Obama didn't like his bedside manner, apparently. Uh, Didn't like the way he got things done for... The, the like the most disadvantaged because he's people. an uneducated union worker who That's never it. went to college, That's never it. like has like a sixth grade education, um, hasn't read Marx or Foucault, uh, or maybe he has, but you know like uh, doesn't know how to speak that language, that elite kind of language that Obama is very well versed in. I mean, he went to all the elite institutions. Yep, you know he knows that bedside manner perfectly. Lula is a rabble rousing. Uh, car factory worker uh, who rose within the union movement and uh, basically not only liberated people, millions of people from poverty in Brazil, he ended the military dictatorship. I mean, he was the most important figure to end a military dictatorship. Talk about like, you know, like one of the most inspiring people in the 20th, 20th and 21st century easily. 
Obama just casually throws him uh, under the bus, you know, says that he had the scruples, the quote, the scruples of a mafia Don. That was a highlight. People went crazy off of that one. And um, what else? I think I had one more. I, I, I don't even want to like I, I, I would like I wish Michael Brooks was still around to right. read oh, this man. the excerpts from this memoir to think. First of all, do his uh, Nation of Islam Obama impression. <laughs> right. uh, Talking about like Karl Marx and Foucault getting getting ass, you know, like you know, like uh, <laughs> best way to get pussy is the <laughs> you know, like, tell a sister about that, <laughs> you know, like all you gotta um, do is talk about Marx to seize the mean yeah, of the pussy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, and, and um, no, and and I do want to talk about one that he had that the 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 liberals specifically. Not the left, the liberals. He chapped the liberals with this one. Um, he talked about the sort of the materialism and the capitalistic sort of aims and ideals of mainstream hip-hop maybe trickling into the people who listen to it and how they view a guy like Donald Trump. And a lot of people took that um, and, and ran with it. And I was like, honestly, as a hip hop consumer, and I've been a hip hop consumer my entire life, I kind of agree with the guy. Um, there's like, mm. you know, like the idea that Kanye was running around crying that, you know, his clothing line wouldn't be picked up by the Fendi's and Versace's and, and Louis Vuitton's of the world. It's like, like that is like, <laughs> like <laughs> that yeah. is bourgeoisie, like rich people problems <laughs> to the yeah. umpteenth power. The idea that we would celebrate, you know, the milestones of a Puff Daddy or a Jay-Z becoming billionaires. Like these used to be like talking points and like things to celebrate as a Jay-Z and bad boy fan back in the days that now, quite frankly, like I'm kind of repulsed by the idea that we would celebrate Jay-Z's wealth, right? Like mm. that's just where I'm at now. Where, but I used to be on the other side. Like it used to be like when you talk about Jay-Z and Nas respectively as rap artists, you would mention that Jay-Z started clothing lines and liquor companies and, and this and be like he's this art capitalist yeah. as, you know, feathers in his cap. And I think this whole get paper yeah, businessman right exactly i'm not a businessman i'm a business man right like this idea of money at all costs and getting paper and don't sleep you know never sleep chase the paper like that's that ideology um has definitely indoctrinated millions upon millions of hip-hop fans there's no two thousand two two ways about it and the idea that that level of thinking would then you know make Black hip hop fans look at Donald Trump in a more favorable light because he mm. sort of represents the American ideal of getting over and getting paper at all costs. I see that as synergistic, one hundred percent. I don't think we could should kill Barry for that, honestly. Yeah, I remember uh, when when Jay Z when you know the NFL after the Kaepernick thing. <laughs> did, you know what did they do with Jay Z? They did some sort of deal with him. Yeah, basically he gets to, to curate, their image. Yeah, they he gets the he curates the halftime show. <laughs> Great. Uh, he gets paid bajillions of dollars Bowl. to do that, yeah. and it's basically it's basically like a, to launder their image right. as like an anti-black league after the Kaepernick thing. And I remember hearing Bomani Jones talk about that. He's like, "Listen, man, the first thing you got to understand about Jay Z is that he's a billionaire." One hundred percent, and and that's the most important one. Yep. You know, like yeah, he's a great rapper. He's a da, 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 but number one on the list of things that Jay Z is is a billionaire like he's a black man he's a rapper he's a million things but the number one he's is that a he's billionaire. a billionaire and i was like 
and that That's imbues true. his worldview at every single yeah. turn, man. Like, and so, yep. uh, and again, this and this is not something that, like if you're a rap fan, you know that Jay Z has one hundred percent made that a part of his sort of, if you will, his 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 stump speech. I'm it's rich. Persona, yeah. I went from the projects to a billionaire, straight up and down. Yes, I sold drugs in the, on the way. I, you know, sort of fucked some of my business partners on the way. I did. He's he's upfront and honest about those things, but he's telling you like, I went from the fucking projects to where I'm at today, and I'm unapologetic about it. And this is what you should probably be trying to do too. Fuck everybody else. Get yours. Fuck the community. Yeah. Fuck that. It's all about yourself. Think about number one. And you know, I just gotta say, I don't want to kill Barry for saying that because he's kind of fucking right. As much as we hate Barry, yeah. on this show, <laughs> I mean, he's coming at it from like a kind of a conservative point of view rather than kind of like a uh, a left point of view, 100%. in which it's like you know. Um, but you're right that the, the critique probably still stands. But I mean, he's he's talking about it like, a, you know, how like conservatives used to talk about rap in the 80s, not not as like histrionic, but like a little bit like that. Um, he's not coming at it from the left perspective, which is like this sort of unfettered celebration of capitalism is like antisocial. Um, yeah, and, and also, like, you know, the funny thing is, too, as I'm watching, as I'm watching, as I'm watching how rap the business is and it's unfolding and I'm sort of developing my own feelings as a, a leftward leaning leftist, whatever you want to call me type of person. Like the most beautiful example is Kanye West complaining about his label deals and then it coming out that his artist, Big Sean, is signed to a worse deal than that. Like it's okay. it's just the it, it's fucking capitalism perfectly encapsulated. It's like this dude complaining about his situation. Meanwhile, the guy that's under him, who he ostensibly should be like, yo, I should be in, you know what I'm saying, in brotherhood with this guy. He's a fellow artist. I'm signing him. He signed him to a worse deal. Because the idea yeah. is like, this is what happened to me, and this is what I got to do to get ahead. It's so perfectly encapsulated through today's rap. So I just wanted to get into that. Um, before we get out of here, I want to make sure you guys are checking out our other bomb off offerings, man. This is the unofficial Waz Week, even though Waz Week is generally just my birthday. But this week is a Waz Week on the bomb feed because I did Crazy Sexy mm -hmm. Cool on Sunday, did the original show, of course, um, on Monday. And today I'm doing Woke Bros, but of course, make sure you check out Growing Up the Same. Make sure you check out Wednesday Sermon, the entire bomb feed and all the Count the Dings offerings, man. And Nando, what else you got for me, man? Uh, you know, just the Jacobin Weekend show is kind of like a, you know, deep dive loving into it. some loving it, loving you know, it, left loving wing it. left wing topics. You guys are killing uh, that shit, bro. Yeah. Um, let's pot it out. We just got a new episode this week after a brief break. You know, producer Rob on the is is signed on. As oh, beautiful. Our, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, check that out as well. Um, and yeah. Just uh, keep fighting the fight, you know, never give up. There's no, no other choice but to keep fighting. All right, man. So we'll see you guys next week. Make sure you become a Patreon of Count the Dings at patreon.com backslash Count the Dings. Support the show. That's how we give y'all all this content. Again, make sure you go follow us on YouTube, man. Give us likes, notifications, yes. subscribe, all of that stuff. We want to become YouTube stars. Uh, we'll see you guys next week, man. Fernando Vila, I'm Big Waz. We out.
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.